Hey, everybody. Welcome to the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sand. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, her name is Fallon Ray, and she is an artist based out of uh, New Hampshire. And in October of 2019, she was actually in an accident that, um, a car accident that almost ended her life. Um, shattered her body and just, you know, it wasn't good. I can't think this is the best way to put it. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, in an incredible, in an incredible, incredible story, she did manage to um, come back. And I mean, I've been. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for a little bit longer. Sorry about. So I've been friends with Fallon for a very long time. She was uh, I met her when she was 16. I must have been 23, 24. Um, she worked at Rite Aid. She was just always like. She was like an artist. She was always drawing behind the counter, and that's kind of how we started talking. And then, like, fast forward, like, six, seven years, and I found her again on Facebook, and we started talking again. Um, and then 2019, she gets in this terrible accident, um, and she put a bunch of pictures online, um, and we saw them, and it was, frankly, it was shocking um, to see what had happened and the unbelievable amount of luck that she had to make it through that. Um, and what's even more amazing is that watching her for the last year and three months um, essentially build herself back to seemingly from the outside, almost like um, pre-accident condition. Um, and it really is. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to let her take over but um how's it going tonight Fallon? Yeah well thank you thank you so much Nick I really appreciate that introduction it feels so good to feel that I have people watching my story and really seeing me and hearing me and it's been definitely a tough year um breaking all four limbs is uh my uh child's book way of putting it um <laughs> it's my children's synopsis of putting it I um uh, I'll also include photos as well. I can send you um, some direct photos of some and some stuff if you guys would like to see the car and kind of some of that aspect and whatever you guys would like. But I, um, yeah, it was a really intense time. I broke all four limbs, so both wrists, both arms, or not both arms, both legs, um, my ankles, and then um, my whole left side. And um, I have a metal eye socket now. And also my lip. You are a cyborg. Yes, I'm a cyborg. I have a lot of metal in me. Um, I have a lot. I have a. I have two metal bars. I had three before. I have. I've had one of them removed since. Um, and then I have some screws, some nuts, some bolts. You know, now I'm, I'm part car. You know, the car and I became friends. I'm part. <laughs> no, just cyborg in that way. It's so. It's so crazy. Um, but yeah. So how the how the accident happened. Um, I was the passenger. I was not at fault for this accident. Um, and I was actually, ironically enough, uh, driving with my best friend who I had known for 10 years, who actually ironically was one of the people that taught me how to drive. So just the, the irony is just so, just so mind blowing sometimes. 
Stay off the road is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this kid, okay, so this kid, he, he still has his license as well, and so I'm fighting that in court right now and dealing with that. And, um, yeah, his, his dad's on the school board of the local place nearby, and some nepotism is kind of getting involved. And I'm just kind of feeling really al- – everyone's like, oh, well, the accent, the pain, the pain, that must have been so much. And I was like, no, it's actually the, the, the emotional stuff more. Um, but I'll talk about kind of what happened with the accident. So the accident that night, we were both drinking. I was the passenger, and um, he was supposed to drive me home. We were, we went out for um, some drinks at the bar, and he was speeding. And I was telling him to slow down. I looked over. He was going like 68 last time I saw it on his um, dashboard, and he was driving a little Scion it was a really tiny body frame, um, light car, just a little sports car. And he um, was whipping down the back roads. Um, so I live in a really, um, I live in the city part of, um, I, I live in the capital of New Hampshire. Um, but in the rural part of New Hampshire, there's mountains, there's, you know, winding roads. It's very scary in that way if you're going 68 miles an hour on a 30 mile an hour road. Um, so in the dark while you've been drinking. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. No matter how many times you've whipped those roads, you don't know them. You don't know them. Um, so I, I was dealing with that, and uh, I was screaming at him to stop, and he whipped around to stop, whipped around to head back, and he um, kept driving really fast. And he lost control of the car, and um, the car went uh, uh, flip or like spun around, flipped. Uh, went. We had like all these little stone walls around uh, New England, um, mm-hmm. just from like settling around the thirteen colonies. Have a lot of stone walls, and it's just like a way that we, you know, the colonizers, you know, made the land. And uh, we went right through one, at, like went right above it. And um, the engine came detached from the car, actually, like, came up into my lap. And then I we hit a tree, and I was pinned in between a tree. And um, we were in these back roads in a rural area again, 11 at night. And the neighbors heard, and I'm so thankful to the group of people that saved my life. How how much of this do you remember, like, remember, remember, and how much did you, like, kind of piece together afterward? So I remember, remember um, seeing the how fast we were going, like, screaming. Um, I remember there's some powerful photos that I took a year later at the accident site. There's one photo of me laying down right before they picked me up to bring me to the hospital and, like, heli-lift me. I had to get emergency lifted to Mass General. And um, I remember that moment. I remember, like, looking at the road, seeing the road, seeing the curve of the road. And I remember seeing my friend and just being like, no, no. Like, this isn't no. Like, no. Like, this isn't the end. And um, then after that, the last, the next thing I remembered besides a lot of my spiritual 
stuff in my coma and through that experience, I then remember waking up in the hospital with a breathing tube in my mouth. And, yeah, so it was like drinks, going out, like driving around like crazy reckless kids, kind of realizing, yo, we're getting too crazy, we're too reckless, like not fully being there either because, of course, I'm drinking. And so at first, at first, you know, you're having, you're like, of course, but like, you know, you're drinking. So like you don't have a rational mind, sound body and soul. And um, yeah, so I remember, I don't remember uh, hitting the tree. I don't remember anything happening within that space and time. But I do remember when they did pick me up out of the car, look, laid me down on the road, and I just was looking at the road and just looking at my friend, and it was just so powerful. Were you wearing your seatbelt? I was wearing my seatbelt. I always wear my seatbelt. So I always wear my seatbelt because my cousin Dawn actually got into an accident very similar when she was 19. She flew through the windshield, and she's paralyzed for the rest of her life. I can uh, tell you, being in the field that I am, that I have seen windshields with people's, you can see, like, you can tell someone hit it. Like, you can tell that a, a person smashed into it. Um, yeah. Because of Guys, this is, like, big PSA, wear your seatbelt. There's nothing cool about smashing your face into a windshield. Yeah, so not at all. Miles an hour. There's nothing cool about it. Um, and I just, there wasn't, there was actually a time a long, long time ago when cars first came out. And the reason that there's like, I don't know if you've ever heard the myth of cars, um, of seatbelts that if you, you're actually better off getting, uh, ejected from the vehicle because you're, you're, uh, if there's a fire, did you ever hear that? No, I didn't. I've never heard that actually. That's like a very weird myth that stuck around for a long time because early race cars, so like way back, like Henry Ford era race cars, um, their seatbelts after an accident um, would sometimes get stuck. Like uh, you wouldn't be able to release it. So when the they got in an accident, if the car, if the race car caught fire, it would, um, they would, you know, be burned up. Um, and for some reason, that carried over into consumer cars, and I still hear people use that as the excuse that they don't wear their seatbelts. But everybody, I'm a professional. I can assure you that your that seatbelts save lives. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I would say is wear your seatbelt, but also have a seatbelt cutter on your key ring or in your car somewhere or, like, have a seatbelt cutter. Like, they have, like, little, like, key r- chain things or like little things that you can keep in your car i think that that is key if you're like in an emergency situation or if you have like something like to if like a little safety kit for an emergency kit because um that's what my the people that saved my life said they said that they had a fire extinguisher they had all of these things but they didn't have it right by their door and so they didn't realize like when they're in that state of mind of like fight or flight like you need it like readily available for you. Yeah. So wear your seatbelt. Have protection on you. Always like always make sure your airbags are there too. Like always check that stuff. Like check your car. Like seatbelts are actually designed to be cut also. Um, so like the way that they're made, they're strong. They have strong tensile strength, but they're 
made to be cut. So like they're very yeah. easy to cut even with a pair of scissors or like a pocket knife. Um, they're extremely easy to cut and they're designed that way that like there is no strength crossways. It's, uh, there's only like the strength is only like I don't know how to explain it, but like that it will not tear, but it's easy to cut. So just something else to keep in mind. Oh, that's everybody. really really interesting. Yeah, and there also there was a the problem with the seatbelt originally was some design flaw, but now they're designed differently so that they should not um, that the, they shouldn't seize either, at least very rarely. But anyways, we've gotten way off topic. I just wanted to remind everybody to wear the seatbelt. Um, so you were medevaced from the hospital, and where was your friend at this point? Was he also being medevaced? Uh, no, no. Um, this he was um, fully conscious. Um, he only um, he only went to the hospital. He actually fought them to get um, like you know tests and things like that, and he was fully conscious. Like he was fully aware of everything that was happening. Do they know what, why the difference, what was different that he was okay and you kind of were yeah, not? Yeah, so they, um, all the all the doctors and nurses on the trauma floor and doctors that I've talked to say it's within human biology to turn away from yourself when you get into an accident. So if mm-hmm. you're like, if you see something coming, you're going to instinctively turn away from it with your wheel. So you're, if you're like, if you're heading, if you're on the highway and you see something, you're going to go usually in a way that's going to directly avoid you and your person. Gotcha. And so because I was a passenger and because of the way that we were driving and the way that he turned, it just did not avoid me as a person. Like I was the one that got the whole hit of it and he didn't. That's crazy, especially because... Like, we apparently see it all the time, actually. Apparently, this is this is really, really, really common. And I actually I mean, know yeah. another teacher that has had this happen to her before as well. Um, one of my high school teachers, she actually had a very similar story. It makes sense just because, like, there's, there is so much, like, cars, the way they're designed now, um, there's, like, crumple points to absorb impact and, and the energy of an accident to, like, absorb yeah. that and keep it from going into the the passengers theoretically so it makes sense that like by the time you know if your car is four you know six feet wide and then by the time if you put three feet of distance between you and the whatever you're crashing into like it makes sense that you would be fine it's just weird to think that you guys were sitting i mean you guys must have been in a little car like that you guys were probably almost touching most of the time you know what i mean like fighting over the armrest yeah like it was a very tiny car so um uh it was it was really shocking the same um i think he the when the engine came up through the car that was the same uh ankle that he ended up by breaking um and he actually had a very similar injury to mine so like we he his right side and my left side had the same injury damn that's crazy yeah Do plus you re- i had a bunch of other injuries <laughs> <laughs> do you remember um, like what you were thinking when you were laying on the road? Like, did you feel like you were still in control of your body? Did you feel like you were kind of having, were you out of body experiencing? Were you, yeah. like, do you know what you were thinking? Were you yeah. in pain? 
you remember pain? Um, so pain has always been interesting to me, but the, I did not feel pain. Um, I felt like a, a warmth, like a deep warmth, if that makes sense. Also, I just came, like the car exploded, like literally a few moments after <laughs> they pulled me out. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I felt as if there was a fire, a car on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if that had something to do with it, but um, yeah, I felt just really, really warm. I felt like a, a deep, like, I remember seeing the road and just being like, this is not, like, no, like, no, like, no, this can't be the end. Like, this, no, like, no, 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 like, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, it was just like, I will do whatever. Like, I, and then, of course, I had a lot of my spiritual stuff happen right after that. But it just was a really deep experience of, I was also telling people before the accident happened, I'm going to die soon. I was literally telling people I'm going to die soon because I read, was starting to read palms and I started to read my palm and I was like, my lifeline was short and I was like, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> and I was just getting a lot of weird signs, a lot of weird things that were happening to me. And then with the accident, one of the cuts I got was actually right where my lifeline is. And it developed another lifeline like that extended my lifeline on the other side. That's spooky as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll come back to that. Um, do you remember, do you remember, like, when you, so you woke up, how long were you in the coma for? So I was in the coma for three days. And, yes, I can remember the exact moment I woke up. So it was like I saw my friend's face. I saw, like, the way that he looked. I saw the glow of, you know, when you're sitting by a campfire? Mm -hmm. And you're like, See, like the glow of like that, like you know on someone else like that's what it looked like and I was just like I saw him I saw like the road and I was just like no and then like I like woke up and there was just a tube in my mouth and I like look over to the right and I see like I started like going like uh 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 like trying to talk and then like three doctors rushed over to me and then like sedated me did you know immediately that, like, did it feel like a lot of time had passed or did it, was it just like? It didn't feel, it felt like, a, it felt like, um, I, I'm a really avid dreamer. So it, it really, as weird as it, like, I had a lot of, like, weird experiences in that time. But in my physical body, like, my mind state was different, but my physical body was just like, oh, like, I'm awake now. Like, this is reality. This is real life. Like, I'm back. You know. So there was like a hard line, like you you knew you were no longer dreaming. Yeah, it was a really intense experience like, that like brought me back into there. And it was like when you wake up from a dream and you're like, oh, my God, okay, I did it right. I did it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what was – you obviously sound like you remember quite a bit from the coma. What was that like being unconscious like that? And when you so like only knowing a little bit of your of what you've told me in the past like and i don't mean this as an insult but like some of the things 
seem like very fantastic. You know what I mean? Right? Um, no, I agree. I, I agree. I fully agree. <laughs> does it ever feel lo- so? Well, why don't you? T- why don't, let's, what happened inside of the coma? Um. So it was weird. I was getting this like so. It's like this feeling of like darkness, but then like white and like light and then you just kind of like it's I have like a lot of I have like drawings and things and like my artwork I'm an artist so I like focused some a lot of my time this past year has been like focused on some of my visions and stuff I mean like I it's hard to explain in words but um just kind of like the, the emergence of dark and light coming together and um like picture being in a room like, it's not even like the, I, I shouldn't even say it like that because I should just say it like my experience because it's just like it's it's easy to translate like that but it's, it's so like it was almost like whenever you lay in bed at night and you just kind of flash through your mind about like every single thing that you did like wrong that day or maybe like 20 years in high school like I don't know if you ever get that moment, but you're just, like, laying in, d- in bed, and it's just, like, and you just get, like, a bunch of, like, flash cards of just, like, a day or a picture or, like, a moment or, like, a little, like, someone's walking or something. You know, like, it's just, like, a little, like, blip of something or, like, you're there for a moment. And it was just, like, a lot of those deep moments in my life. And um, people around me. Like, it was almost, like, picture it like a projector where, like, the the black and the white are, like, coming together. And then, like, there are, like, the the shades of color and they can, like, project to you these, like, images, just, like, all of your life. I know that sounds weird. No, not at all. Um, I mean, it does sound weird, but I've only because I've never experienced it, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just strange to me because it's, like, something that I that I felt and I saw in my experience of the afterlife. And I feel like everybody has their own experience. And I feel like everybody has like that, but I feel like it is kind of true where there are like, it's just like, I don't know, like a lot of, it was just a lot of feelings of just like, did you, if you died right now, would you be okay? Do you feel like your, your body, like, is this enough for you? And it was just like, no, no, no. Like, I just want to, like, go back. Like, I just want to, like, hug my mom. Like, be around people. Like, create community. Like, create love and just honesty that I feel like the world's missing. Did you feel like like you were talking to or, like, in the presence of another person or, like, another thing? Or do you, do you feel like it was, like, a self-reflection, you know? It was, like, both. So it's kind of, like, it was both, and it was nothing at the same time, if that makes any sense. It was, like, the the entity wasn't asking anything of me but just, like, showing me 
who I am. Like, I didn't have to ask anything of, it was just like, it was just like because of what it was showing me, like a picture says a thousand words, you know, so like, you have to say things sometimes, like, is this is this a good memory? Is this a bad memory? Is this a good memory? Is this a bad memory? You know, kind of mm-hmm. as easy as that. Like, it just, it, it it's deeper than that, far deeper than that, where the people impactful to you, like, where the, you know, all those other elements of it. I just, like, did you, did you do enough? Like, what was the earliest memory you remember seeing in this experience? Like, me, like, on, like, like a swing and like I don't even know, I don't really like it. it was like just like playing like younger. Like I can't like it was just like the feeling of like youth and then it was like a picture that my mom has of like me like on a swing. But it was just like the feeling of youth behind that picture, if that makes any sense. Mhm. So um that was like So one of, it was early is I guess what my what I was trying to Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just like an image that wasn't my image. But it was like the feeling of what it was like to be in that time. If that makes any sense. I mean, I think everybody's dreams. So I think everybody can like connect and some. I mean, I'm sure that what you, I mean, I'm sure that like the, the deepness of a coma like that and everything. Like, I'm sure that it was extremely intense. Plus, like whatever. I know that your brain goes through all kinds of chemical like storm when it exactly, takes- exactly. And it's kind of like the same way that someone sees like you know, someone sees a song or color or something, and we all see the color yellow. But, like, somebody else, it might make them feel, like, gross, or someone else, it might make them feel, like, super, super happy. You know, or, like, everybody can see their own reality in that way, or, like, see what's presented in front of them and feel, like, a different way because we are the only ones that know, like, the deep part of our experience, whether we know it or not. What did it what did it feel like when you came out of that into reality, or like back into like what I guess what we would all can call reality? Um, just like wanted to feel like comforted, wanted to like feel like cared about. Um, it felt like did it feel scary? Like like what the hell? Like what like what like. Like, where? Like, what? Like, uh, okay. Like, it was like, it was the, and then I was in and out of surgeries for a week after that. So I had, like, my eye surgery. I had, like, my, my, all these other surgeries I was, like, in and out of. And it was just, like, it was, like, I would be awake and then I'd be sedated. And awake and sedated, it was just, like, this, this weird thing where I was awake for a little bit, trying to find some sense of clarity. And it would just, go away because it would just be like okay now we're back under did the sedation feel like it did in the coma was there like a similar experience oh what do you mean by that like being sedated for surgery yeah like the surgeries and like the the human sedation or like the normal like doctors doing things did that feel the same as like did you like have you ever come out of a dream but then you fall asleep and you go back into the dream it's the same dream yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened when, uh, when I, so I'm a really avid dreamer. Like, I've been a lucid dreamer since I was a kid, and I know my dream world pretty well. 
And, like, that's kind of what the coma was, too, in that way, of just kind of being, like, oh, okay, like, oh, okay, 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 like, I'm here, I can see familiar things, like, it didn't feel so unfamiliar to me, because, like, I already set the scene for myself, if that makes sense, and I'm, like, just... Because this is a very strange... This is this podcast is gonna get really weird. I can already feel it. So I just want to warn everybody that this is going against. This is gonna be much different than normal. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. We can focus more on like the reality no, 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 of no, like everything. Is, no, not at all. I love this. So <laughs> I like lucid dreaming. So I used to be able to lucid dream when I was a kid, and I don't. I just I don't know how I learned how to do anything. I I could just do it. Like I could just control my dreams. And then there was a movie that came out with someone, Selma Hayek, maybe, wasn't it? Was it with uh, Robin Williams as well, When Dreams May Come? No, it was, I can't remember who was in it, but I think it was, might have been Tom Cruise. But um, anyway, it was about lucid dreaming, and I was like, hey, I can do that. And then my friends were like, well, most people can't. And I was like, really? I thought everybody could do that. It was just. And then, like, now I, I know I haven't had a lucid dream in a really long time. Like, it was just something that used to happen to me when I was a kid. I didn't, I would have, like, if I had a nightmare or something, like, the nightmare would, instead of waking up, it would, like, turn around, and then I would become... Be back in the dream? Yeah, in control. Oh, my God, those are the worst, but that used to happen. It was better, because I would get, I would, like, instead of waking up from the nightmare, I would, like, take control of the dream. Oh, so you weren't, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. So what I was saying is, like, when I've, so experiences for me is, like, I've been lucid in a nightmare. Gotcha. Yeah, and then, like, I try to get out of the nightmare, and then the nightmare, like, it, like, like, so basically there was one time where I was, like, in a dream, and I was, like, hitting some, like, actually, oh, my God, you'll actually find this funny because we met at Rite Aid, so you're the only one that will get this. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, this is great. Do you remember Kevin from Writing, like my the manager, like so it was yep. Kevin mixed with Kevin's like Kevin Spacey because they look kind of similar. <laughs> and yeah, so I was like hitting him and I was like, "What time is it? What time is it? What time is it?" And he like cuz I was like trying to figure out what time I had to go to work, and he like just stopped like as I was slapping him and he was like, "What like how do I know the time if you don't even know the time?" And I was just like, Ah! Ah! I started like running away and then like my face and my body went numb and I like started like scratching like my boyfriend's back because like I was like waking up from a dream and like it wasn't him dreaming's funny because we don't actually know why we do it so like humans think they're so smart but like you can't tell me why you know like I have like these just insane picture movies in my head at night you know what I mean (laughs) we have like exactly we have no idea why we do it. It's like the most ridiculous. My dreams are always so ridiculous, you know. Like I just want to know. I just want. I've always been curious. Dreams are just. I feel like it's like a like a leftover from prehistoric days, and we just don't know what to do with them anymore. But our brain just keeps kind of like pumping through. <laughs> I actually think that a lot of dreaming. So dreaming is actually your brain processing what's happened to you throughout the day and like throughout like, like you know, what you're feeling internally and and what you've dealt with externally. And I actually have started doing, like, I have always been interested and fascinated in talking to people about dreams because I remember being, you know, in that sense of being like, I can see all these things when I was younger and people being like, 
who the hell are you? You're weird. You know? You're like, am I in a dream right now? <laughs> but I have I have actually my little tickers of how to, like, figure out if I'm in reality or if I'm in my dream world, which is really, really interesting. Uh, yeah. It's just like um like just having little time tickers and like little like checks of reality for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, okay. like um yeah, like I try to figure out again like what time is it? So I try to figure out the time. I try to look at myself in the mirror. I try to see my hand or like a body part, which is so weird with the accident because I broke all four limbs. Yep. So, so you can so. check them. Exactly. I couldn't check them the same. So okay. Yeah, the accident really, especially the recovery process, it was really interesting for me in terms of wanting to stay present in reality because, like, the dream world and, like, what exists within the subconscious is so interesting and inviting. There is a test. I want to say, and this might be wrong because I'm just saying this off the top of my head, but there is actually a test to tell if you're dreaming where if you if you can't picture a number or you can't draw a number. Like if, you're, if for some reason you feel like you're in a dream because the side of your um, brain that deals with numbers, letters, and that kind of thing, or maybe it's, yeah. right a word. maybe it's right a word, but the side of your brain that deals with like symbol, like those types of symbols, not like symbolism, but like actual like symbols that we write um, is shut down. So like in a dream, you can't write or do math or anything because that part of your brain is shut down. So, like, it just, you'll know intuitively whatever it is, but, like, the symbols won't actually make sense. Really? That's so interesting. And I think that that's why I find myself, like, really wanting to figure out, like, what time it is. Like, you know, yeah. where that, I That's what made me think of it was because you were looking for the time. So you probably, probably you're, I would assume that, like, you wouldn't be able to know the time because, like, that side of your brain, because, like, because time is just, our interpretation like of our ro- our rotation around the sun so like that being a symbol that like we've developed it would make sense that you wouldn't be able to know that in a dream yeah and it's also rel- like time is just something relative to where we are existing within like like right now for us it might mean it's a nighttime but for someone else it's daytime right now like they're just getting up Lazy bastards. Five <laughs> <laughs> uh, o'clock somewhere, though. <laughs> um, okay, so coming back. So you woke up out of the dream, or you woke up out of the coma, and then, like, so what surgery did you have? Oh, goodness. So I had my, like, basically my left wrist was, like, jello. It was, like, just jello. So I had three bars put into my arm. Um, one bar actually paralyzing my arm from being able to flex it at all. Um, like restricting my wrist from being able to um, uh, pronate and supinate. Um, which is just meaning like move forward and backwards. And um, then, then I had uh, my right so that one actually wasn't in a cast. My left wrist wasn't in a cast. It was just in a uh, – actually, it was in a cast at first. And then it was just moved to a brace. Um, and a cast that I had when I first woke up from the coma, it was, like, so big. 
it was giant. Like, I remember just having, and I had, like, three metal bars in my arm, so it just felt like my arm, like, my left arm was just, like, huge. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Did it feel heavy? Like, did you Oh, yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. So It, like, it was felt, weird. It was, like, the weirdest. What did you say? You could, like, tell there was something in there? Yeah. 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 Definitely. It was very strange. And then I had, um, yeah, it was, I was very self-aware of my body throughout this experience, which is something that frustrated the doctors and made me leave. I was projected to stay in the hospital for three months, and I got out within three weeks. I remember that, and I remember um, someone, on, someone on your Facebook telling you to, to stay. Or yeah. Like, my family, my family, everyone was just like, don't, like, just, like. But they were doing it on Facebook for some reason. I just right? Oh, I just, imagine if I said all this stuff that my family put me through out on Facebook. Oof. Oof. <laughs> but Oof. I remember that when people were, people were, like, messaging, not even messaging me. They were, like, comment. they were straight up just, like, commenting on public posts, like. <laughs> no, stay. I won't visit you or anything like that. You have to suffer for 24 hours every day, seven days a week. You stay. You're annoying me. Because <laughs> when I scroll on Facebook, I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely dealt with a lot of that. So, you, I remember seeing pictures of you in one of your, like, your eye, your, your whole Oh, face. yeah, my eye was sewn shut for two weeks. Your Your face looks just like it did, which is pretty amazing. I have done a, I have done a, a lot to heal and to recover. I have done a lot of research, a lot, a lot of research. I've always been interested in health and healing, hence why you met me at Rite Aid. Um, <laughs> and I've always just kind of found myself fascinated with um, how to heal in all different ways um, for the longest time. And... Uh, it kind of put my healing uh, lessons to the test. <laughs> it was like, oh, so you know some stuff? Okay, here, here, heal yourself. And heal parts of yourself that people said that you would, like professionals, like literally some of the best doctors in the world are saying to you, you probably, you might not be able to run again. You might not be able to hop again. You might not be able to do a handstand again because I was really big into doing aerial yoga and yoga and body work and they were like yeah i want to get your hopes up if and i remember just, correctly weren't you going to be in a wheelchair like early I on wasn't a, i was in a wheelchair i wasn't was in they a wheelchair. Tell you you have to stay in the wheelchair yes yes yeah and i i also remember and i didn't go back this is just like i have a good memory for weird shit like this but um i remember you putting out like a call on facebook that was just like something <laughs> please bring me art supplies. Like, yeah. and I just remember this, it was, it was like almost like a, it was like almost sounded a little crazy, you know, because you were like, here you are like in the hospital, as far as we, everybody knew, like you couldn't even move your hands, you know what I mean? And you were like, please God, just someone bring me like some art supplies. I don't even care what they are. Exactly. No, I, I literally, when I first woke up from the hospital, from the coma, I was, I had, I broke, so I had, I have a screw in my left leg, so that was all casted up very heavy as well. My right leg was casted up, not so heavy, um, but then I had my whole left 
side of my ribs completely broken. And I also had internal bleeding. And I was singing. I was, like, singing in the hospital, like, in the trauma unit at Mass General. And people were, like, walking in, like, what are you doing? Like, do you know that you – and everyone was telling me, everyone's like, you broke four ribs. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I broke four ribs. Turns out I broke the whole side. Just no one told me <laughs> until, like, a few months later. How many ribs do people have? Um, I think it's seven on each side, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's seven. I've broken my ribs boxing before, and I know how shitty it is to break just one or two. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they also did that, like – some of the nurses tried to, like, minimize some of my experience just in terms of, like, trying to meet, like, just because when you're in a traumatic situation, they just don't want you to, like, go too crazy in that way. Right. Kind of like with the demanding art supplies. like. <laughs> but but I, actually, I, I, I actually kind of stood up for myself a lot in the hospital because I, everyone, to, to everyone else's knowledge, I shouldn't have been walking. I shouldn't have been, and I was, like, doing, like, I was attempting to do, like, the little bridge yoga pose in my hospital bed for the <laughs> broken limbs stuff. Um, so, yeah, just a crazy person over here. But, yeah, I just wanted to express myself. And I think that because I did, I was able to heal and, like, use the muscles, all the little micro muscles to be able to now literally do a handstand again, like, a year later. As an artist, it must have been scary to think that you was possible you could never use your hands again. Oh my god! And my eyeball, my eye, I, my eyeball was wonky. I feel like you can still do art with one eye, though. You know what I mean? Like that, then you just have character. <laughs> well, my eye. I can, just painted yourself portrait. Well, I can wonk my eye out now. You can what? I can like wonk my eye out. So I can make my eye like not pay attention anymore because of, like I have a I have a metal eye socket. That's super useful, I'm sure, in many situations. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the guy from, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, just, like, the guy that pops his eyeball out. And, like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I know. It was, do you have it's still, like, your eyeball? Or is it just a new yeah. eyeball? Or is it, no, like, I a have, I have my eyeball. Okay. <laughs> I have all of Why my body that? parts. That's a, normal, that's a normal question, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is. Yeah, Nick, I have my eyeball. My original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy and what okay so the question oh yeah um so it must have been weird to think that like so you did yoga like they were all telling you like you're never going to walk again like as far as you know you may never be able to use your hands again you may never be able to see out of your left eye again like when like what was the emotions like because i know that you said you were always like happy and stuff um but did like Oh, I wasn't always happy. I was, I was not always happy. I was like, I was, I, I'm just like a fiery personality. So I'm just like, I'm just like, I give sass. So I'm just like a little sassy lady. So it's like, <laughs> I, but I'm very sweet. I'm so, so, so sweet. So it's like, I didn't want to like overwork any, any nurse. Like I would, I'm zero. I try to be as zero waste as possible and very organic and just very good in hospitals. And I was like, I was like, please, you don't have to come in and, like, check on me all the time. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Like, I try to, like, make them, like, you know, realize that, like, I'm an autonomous human being. 
Um, but because of their job and because of their parameters, they were like needing to like check in on me every four hours, even if I was getting good sleep, they would just wake me up and just be like, okay, shots now. And it's just like, I don't need these shots. And they're like, yeah, well, we don't care. You need them. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, that's cool. It must so, be a, I would think that like from their point of view, it must be like, to them, it's their job, you know what I mean? And also, like, they have a ton of people to take care of where, and, like, they have a ton of things to keep in mind, and, like, they have a lot of, they mm-hmm. must have a lot on their plate, whereas, like, you, all you can think about is, like, or all you need to think about is, like, yourself and how to take care of yourself, right? Exactly, and that's why I tried to, like, be good about communicating the fact that, like, I, that they should trust me to take care of myself more than the average person because I am fully qualified in my opinion, even though it might not be a professional opinion. Um, I found that like experience is really, really telling. And I feel like I've had experience healing before. And I think that this is just another step on that stone of just being like, okay, guys, don't worry. I got this. You know, and they're like, no, 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 listen, lady, you got four broken limbs, no, like one eye's missing, like you, you, you actually don't got this. Don't just pop your eye out at me, Fallon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, and all I wanted was fresh food and art and to hang around like the people that I love the most. Were you? What was it like? Being in the hospital, like, kind of after everybody else was gone and you were there, like, by yourself, was that hard? Did it give you time to reflect? Was it, like, those the nice times? You know what I mean? Like, what was that like? Because I've, I've personally never been in the hospital, but I, to me, I'm a very, like, social person, so, like, I feel like I would be very lonely. Um, but, again, I've never been through anything like what you went through, and I've also never stayed overnight in a hospital, so maybe I would enjoy the silence. Yeah, you have kids now, so you're like, ooh, ooh, vacation? (laughs) Maybe a little pain? Break my (laughs) arm! Yeah. No, I, um, I, I, it's funny, I actually talk about it now, I'm just kind of being like, that was a really nice time in my life. It was like, I don't have any responsibilities, oh, you have to wipe my own ass. (laughs) But it also was like, so degrading like so like it feels so good like that's why I love hiking is because it like feels so good to like get up the to the top of the mountain by yourself with like no one helping you you know like that is why I hike and even this year with a cast on like I hiked like I backpacked <laughs> probably the most I've ever in my whole life I backpacked which is like insane are you still having excuse me are you still having surgeries Yes, I have to get two bars removed from my arm. And that's it? Uh, and I have to get some stuff for my lip. Because um, my lip was torn to my back molars. Oh. So it's had, yeah, yeah. So you could, like, see the back molars. And so I've had to, like, take some time to kind of, like, heal that and um, uh, get it to a place where the because the tissue is in use, so much and so often 
you want to heal really naturally. Um, and so, and at least I do, I, I'm not, I was never one of those girls that was like, I need to get a lip job. Like <laughs> nature gave me a lip job, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I just, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I wanted to come at it from a natural place. So I've just been really slow and steady about my healing. I would definitely suggest everybody to take a minute and pause this and go to Instagram and go to at Fallon Ray Art, that's F-A-L-L-O-N-R-A-E-A-R-T, um, and just look at Fallon's face. <laughs> look at Fallon's face. <laughs> it's a very nice face. But you can't, like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like you have been in an accident. Like, and that's, I, I feel like, um, like a before and after picture of, like, your face when you were in the hospital to now is, like, when you saw, because I remember seeing that face in the hospital, and I'm pretty sure you were on drugs, and they like took a picture of your face and posted it on Facebook for you. Um, but I was actually fighting them to. That was like one of my last days that like I finally was clearing out drugs from my system because like they were giving me a hard time about clearing out drugs, and like I was like, no, I do. I've I've been doing this whole recovery without any pain relievers. The second I was able to have consent, which is probably five days after or three days after my surgery. Yeah, three days after my surgeries were done, um, I re- was refusing painkillers because like, that's like the minimum that you can. So I was like clearing out all the painkillers. But yeah, I, 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 my friend gave me a little bit of um, like, yeah, I was on some drugs. <laughs> yeah, you looked like you were on drugs. And then, all, but like your face was, I mean, I'm not trying to be insulting, but you were... No, face, no, no. Your face was fucked up. You know? like, <laughs> my face was fucked up. <laughs> you look now, and, like, you can't even tell that your face is fucked up. You look, especially knowing you beforehand, like, it literally looks, just looks like you. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. And I remember thinking when this happened, like, she was never going to look the same. Ooh, like, she's a she's a goner. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think you were a goner. I remember, I actually remember being really worried because... uh um, just hearing about your accident and then like you or some of some of our mutual friends like me, we had talked and like just I don't know I was just very worried because it's just a type of I don't know I was very worried anyways um, I just remember thinking like there's no way that she's going to look the same like I hope that she's okay with that you know what I mean but you do you look exactly like you did <laughs> Like you don't yeah. even have any scars or anything. I saw you have like some scars on your ankles. Yeah, I have scars on my ankles. I have a scar on my face and on my lip, but I'm working every day to like heal that. I honestly love my my body scars, my face scars. I'm still working on them, but my body scars are pretty badass. <laughs> and um, even the scars on my ankle, it was really cool. One of the scars I got was right through my first tattoo. So it was very, very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, got a longer lifeline and a new tattoo. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thanks, universe. And a new body, you know? <laughs> cyborg body? I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm putting out yeah. 5G. <laughs> exactly. I am 5G, yeah. <laughs> 5G. Yeah. Um, so you, after going through that kind of like whole experience, and then you were only in the hospital for three weeks after that. What was it like getting out of the hospital? And then, like, because you were still in a wheelchair when you got out of the hospital, weren't you? 
Yeah, I was. Getting out of the hospital was an interesting experience and transition for me in my life. Um, I I uh, went to rehab, so it was like I went, I was out of the hospital in the minimum that they could do, which was two weeks, and I um, then went to mass to the rehab center uh, locally. And I um, went there for the minimum that I could, which is a week, because I actually knew um, I was friends with the uh, the woman who ran the, uh, the program at the rehab. Uh, she was actually my friend's mom, and I, I knew her as well. Um, so I, like, convinced her to let me out early. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I went home, and um, it was really hard on my family. Um, I I really appreciate the sacrifices that my family went through to just, like, emotionally, especially my little sister. I don't know what I would do without my little sister. Like, my little sister was, like, everything to me. She just was, like, there for me, like, hung out with me, like, did everything for me and with me, and I just... Yeah, she was just so, so, so sweet. And um, then I had, I have such a wonderful group of, I have, I'm a community builder, so I own businesses and run events. And I just have so many connections and friends that I was just so thankful, stepped up and were there for me in that way and like hung out with me and spent time with me. But I was also thankful for like an excuse to have alone time. Like, honestly, uh, I think that that was really, really good for me. And I couldn't, I don't know where I would be without my nurses. I think, like, my mom, she has MS, so it's hard for her to take care of me. Um, so my nurses that would come in, um, like, the, especially this one nurse, uh, Amy, she would come into my house and, like, she basically, like, retaught me how to exist as, like, a paralyzed person, like if I, because I, that was a projection, is like, yeah, don't get excited about your legs, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, we we probably ain't going there anytime <laughs> soon, <laughs> like, and your and your arms, yeah, I don't know if you'll be able to like use your thumb, you know what I mean? Like that's how bad it was. Like I had, I've had, I have screws like with the bones that like control my thumb and control my index finger. This is, this is, I don't know, this is not medical advice, I guess would be how I should say this is like a disclaimer, like, in no way do I ever suggest listening to me over a professional doctor. I am curious, do you think that if you had been the type of person to give up, or like, to hear, like, like, is there any part of you that thinks that, like, if those words, like, you are paralyzed, you will be paralyzed, like, had sunk in? You know what I mean? Is there, like, was there, do you feel like there was a choice that you made at some point along the line that, like, changed the trajectory that you were on? I think that my trajectory my whole life, I've just been a fighter. I've just been a fighter for everything and everyone. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, but I've been a fighter. And I fight for, like, what's best. And even the guy who saved my life. He literally, as it was crazy, he literally, as he was pulling me out, was like, he was screaming to me, like, he's like, 
He's like, come on, you better be a fucking fighter. It's just like, just like pulling me. And I was just like, I didn't know this at the time, but he told me later. And it was just like, I don't think that there was a choice. I think that it's kind of like Star Wars. It's like, there is no try. There's a either do or do not. Like, there's no in between sometimes. Like, you either are doing it or you're not doing it. And like, that's it. Like, and I think that it was just, like, my choice. Like, I also had a lot of struggle. Like, my family, even though that there was a room downstairs, fully free and available, my mom still chose to keep me upstairs. So I had to, like, crawl up the stairs every day. And I think that that was, like, a passive way of just kind of being, like, do you want this to be your life? And it was just really hard, like, crawling up the stairs every day and, yeah. Wait, imagine if you didn't get your legs back there, your mom probably would have felt like a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Like, and I really made it crawl up those stairs for six months and it still has No, it work. wasn't six months. I no, actually I Well, actually I left well that was a point of contention. You asked how like the, the my recovery time was. I actually left as soon as I possibly could. So as soon as I was able to get any help moving out, I literally was out at the three-month mark, which is unheard of. So the accident happened in October. I was moved out. Actually, it was the four-month mark. So I was I was moved out, like, by the end of February, and then the pandemic hit in March. <laughs> so can you imagine if I was, like, quarantined there? <laughs> and I, yeah, and I still had a cast on, and I still have – I still have a piece of my bone missing – and I'm still healing. Will your will your bone ever grow back? So that's actually the point of contention I'm at with my doctors right now in that way of being like, yo, you guys kind of fucked up on this surgery. And I've been telling them that since day number one. And they're like, listen, we didn't fuck up on anything. You don't know anything. <laughs> and I was I'm like. A, I'm a goddamn <laughs> doctor. I don't ever fuck up anything. Exactly, exactly. So um, now my doctor has finally come around. He's been there since day one, and I did a handstand for him the other day, and he was like, okay, yeah, I think we fucked up on your surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's like, I think we did good, but I think because there's two broken screws in your arm, yeah, we got to take those out. (laughs) So, yeah. What do they they say when, like... They had told you that you were never going to walk again, and now you're doing handstands in front of them. Um, what like, did they, they say in that moment? In disbelief? Did they give you any explanation oh, yeah. why they were wrong? They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't at all. One of my doctors, he looked at I remember this is actually one of the moments that really gave me that, that like, that moment of empathy for myself, because I feel like. I feel like everybody's fighting every single day. I feel like we all have our own fight. Like, it doesn't matter how big or how small. Like, you can drown in, like, a puddle of water. Like, that's how Edgar Allan Poe died, you know? And, like, it doesn't matter how big or how small. It just matters that we're going through the pain. And, like, I remember my doctor, the one who I did a handstand for recently, I remember when I was in a wheelchair looking at him, and he was like, you like you not only broke your arm but you broke all four limbs and everything else you have internal injuries like be compassionate with yourself because if you're not you're not going to appreciate what's going on and it's just like 
it like really sunk into me. Like I'm never going to get better if I spend so much time being worried that I'm not better. And so like, that was just like the moment that was just like, I, I just, I, I'm going to prove you, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do a handstand here in a year. I literally said that to him. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do a handstand here. And he was like, I would look forward to seeing that. That would be unheard of. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> you know. So your doctors are happy. They're not like. They're, they're, um, they're a little salty because they have to do more surgery to take out these bars. Um, just because they're breaking and the bars, like my, my arms are healing to the point where they're rejecting the bars and, um, rejecting a lot of the things that they put in my body and they're getting kind of upset at me for that. And I'm like, look, look, buddy, I didn't know that there wasn't a return policy on this. (laughs) I, I didn't ask for this. So, yeah, that's been really, really interesting and fighting with insurance as well. Yes, I would imagine that would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I feel like we all go through it, like fighting with insurance and with, you know, our bodies and with our minds and like with our, like, you know, I still had businesses to run when I woke up from that coma. I still had people responsible for me. I still had bills to pay. Like, it wasn't like my life stopped because I was dead or because, like, I wasn't here for a while, you know? <laughs> You're like... You're like, this would have been so much easier if I just died. I know, right? Like, <laughs> honestly, and that's that's honestly why it's been kind of hard for me with 2020 and with everything that's happened and, like, why I've kind of found myself with just being like, oh, the other side's so much nicer sometimes. But then it's, like, kind of like, no, your gift here is to bring the other side back. So, like, I'm here to be, like, a teacher to show people of, like, no, 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 you don't deserve, you can't give yourself that gift because it's not going to be the same thing. There's going to be another side of that coin. And, like, you just need to make that life happen here. We're, like, literally living on heaven here. And I can remember, like, waking up from the coma and just, like, being so thankful for every little thing. Like, every little thing I, like, I remember just begging them to go outside. Just go outside. And that's the picture that you saw. Please just take me outside. I don't even care about the noises, the sounds, anything that overwhelms my body. I just want to feel something again. Like, I don't care if it makes me sick. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if I die like this. I just want to die at least, like, conscious and, like, like that, like, I lived the best life that I could. And now that things are kind of going, becoming... I guess not normal, right? Like they're probably never going to be normal or back to like pre-accident. Like would you say that that accident was like like not a turning point per se, but like a like a checkpoint, like a like was it a was it something that changed you fundamentally? Like it sounds like all those experiences in some way must have, right? Definitely. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um I I think in so many ways I knew it was coming before it came because I was kind of telling people like hey something's coming like I'm I think I'm going to die soon like something's happening like I do a lot of I'm I'm a shaman so I do a lot of spiritual work in the spiritual community 
and it was just like, yo, you guys, like, something's going to happen to me. And it was just like, yeah, you're crazy. Just go, just go away. And so it was just every, like, oh. every shaman says that. Yeah, and but that's one of the craziest thing is right before the accident, I was a part of a class that was about shamanism and like then another one in, about nature and mysticism and just like how shamans are like meant to go through like a deep journey, like a deep painful journey to like share with the community how to heal. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. I think I'm a shaman. And then it was just like, boom, accident. And I was like, okay. I feel like that's going to earn you a ton of points like the, the next shaman class. They're <laughs> like, when do this journey? They're going to be like, you know, my fucking, my tea is never right. Like I'm having a real hard time making my tea. And then these other people are going to be like, oh my God, like my buffalo hat smells terrible. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and you're going to be like, I got in this horrible accident, broke on my arm. Everyone's gonna be like, I don't think I want to be a shaman anymore. <laughs> well, exactly, and I think that that's kind of like the thing of what I saw with 2020, where a lot of people were starting to like get more into that side of themselves, but they were doing it in a way that wasn't pure, if that makes any sense. You see the girls who are just kind of like, I'm a hippie, like burning white sage, like screw all the cultural land that I'm appropriating right now. I think that you run, you, I mean, any. I mean, I'm also half, so it's like half and half. I'm like half in that and then half in like the regular world. So it's like, it's a very interesting place for me spiritually too. Yeah, it's a, that is a, like anytime you have a subculture, like there's always going to be, like we, you know, just to use like punk terminology, because that's like, you're going to have like, the posers, you know, like you're going to have yeah. people. The fakers, the fake it till you make it. Yeah, you're going to have any, that's going to happen in any subculture. And like, um, you know, like we saw with punks and hardcore and like, I'm just using music because Ooh, that's. I used to be a punk. I used to, I mean, I still am, still am, still am. <laughs> I remember going to, I remember going to piss, literally just talking about say anything the other day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, there's always going to be those, um, like once it becomes cool, like then it's, stops being cool you know yeah 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 and that's yeah and that's actually something i've experienced a lot of my life which is really really interesting you actually see that right now in like the comic book community where like a lot of people who like grew up really loving and like even in like the sci-fi and fantasy world um and i only know this just because like i've always been super into that stuff um but like you have people who have been into this kind of stuff like their whole lives right and then like it was never a cool thing um to like play dungeons and dragons stuff and then now all of a sudden it is right and you see and like on the one hand it's like really cool you know to me i'm like one of those people that's like this is awesome like the more people that get into it like the more money that gets into it like we're gonna get to see like a lot of the stuff that we always wanted like you know the mcu for instance right um but on the other hand, you see a lot of people who are just um, the MCU, like who have to, yeah, like they kind of have to accept that, like they're the thing that that these same people used to hate them and beat them up or like, you know, ostracize them or like make fun of them for. Now those same exact people who used to make fun of them want to like be a part oh. of that community, you know? Yeah, like make fun, of, like like make money off of them now, just because yeah. like and. Like, I mean, it's understandably 
for a lot of those people, um, you know, like that really was their like refuge from life. You know what I mean? Is like the, those those kind of worlds where they could be who they didn't have to be, you know, some nerd with fucking asthma. Like they could be a great and powerful mage or like a brave warrior, you know, and like now those, those worlds are being overrun with like the people who used to make fun of them, you know, does that make sense? It does make sense. And I actually think it's really interesting because I sit back in a position where I think that we as a humanity, we might not be able to be like whatever person we want to be in this lifetime necessarily. And yeah, we'll have to do that in video games and we'll have to do that in other ways. But I think that a really interesting thing about us as humans is we have two faces that we put on. We have like our public face and our private face. And I think that more people don't understand how real their dreams could be if they were more honest about what they wanted. And I think that that's why people get afraid to like remember their dreams or like really step into that place. Like, you really are, like, playing, like, your own live-action video game. And, like, even I saw this, I was, I think I saw this thing the other day. It was, like, um, dress cute every day because the outfit you die in is your ghost outfit. And, right? Right? (laughs) Does that, like, set a standard now? (laughs) I know. Like, like, I want to dress real weird because it's going to be real. Like, nothing's worth, like, it sucks to get haunted by a guy in, like, an old Victorian thing but it's going to be way weirder to get hunted by like a guy in a you know a speedo which exactly. is what we now on for hey, my ghost yeah. costume you know that's, that's going to be way more uncomfortable for everybody and they're like man i'm getting haunted by this ghost but he wears like a hula skirt all the time it's very strange <laughs> hey you know if you if you want a hula skirt and get yourself out there do it you know just do it get a hula class you know corona class i would hula. Be, I you know, I don't want to steal the thunder from all those people who have been doing hula for longer. You know what I mean? I'm going to let them have that, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing. <laughs> oh, I would be too it's... good. That's the problem. You know what I mean? I don't want to be one of those poses we were just talking about. Uh, yeah. No, I, to- I definitely understand. I definitely understand that. But I think that that's where I think that my, my path kind of comes in is, like, merging those two worlds and seeing how real they could be right now. Like, the real world of, like, you maybe doing like crazy things that you want to. But I think it's kind of funny with the ghost outfit saying that that <laughs> night, if I would have died, I would have died in my favorite outfit. Well, that's good anyways. Right? If you got to die, it might, might as well be in your favorite outfit. Do you still have that? Lo- no, I lost everything of that outfit and no one like gave anything back. And then like, yeah, it was a lot of drama with getting my, my items back. Like I had paintings that were flung. Yeah, of course. I had artwork I never for painting. Bar without my painting. What are you talking about? Yeah, I had my paintings, <laughs> my paints. Of course. Duh. You gotta stay strapped. What else would you do at the bar other than other than paint? I I mean, hey, you know, I mean, I just I actually just had it on me just because I was like working and stuff that day. I had so much stuff on me that day. I had like my laptop, my passport, my paintings, like. Literally everything that you would not want to lose, I had it on me that day. <laughs> like my favorite outfit, like every, like everything, <laughs> like like I was just missing like my cat, you know. <laughs> yeah. What was uh, so like? You've always been an artist, 
um, as for at least as long as I've known you. Um, and from what you've told me pretty much your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Was there, was it like making your living as an artist? Stressful. <laughs> Stressful. <laughs> um, fun, but also like a frenzy. Like that's like the best way I can say it. Um, I think that everybody can start with a side hustle of whatever that they want, but I also feel like their money impedes on the chi of your flow and, like, how you're able to, like, actually work as an artist. So I think that that's an interesting line to toe. Um, because if you either are, like, doing too much working or teaching, because I'm also an art teacher, I teach painting classes, um, I've been a painting teacher for five years at um, various museums and classes and public schools and um, teaching uh, elementary and then also like for all types of education and also painting for all all ages. And I think that it's really, really interesting to just kind of like express yourself like that. And I think that people forget that over time. And I'm trying to think of where I was going with that question. I feel like I've already forgotten what the question that I asked was. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I came up with another question, and then I forgot what the first question I was. And then I panicked and tried to remember the original question and forgot the new question that I was going to ask you. (laughs) I know. I forgot, too. It's like sometimes I just get, like, lost in, like, the weirdness of my mind. (laughs) I need someone to be like, whoa, 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 bring it back down. (laughs) So you're able to do... Art full time, and that was always oh yes, that art always full-time. your goal. Was that always your goal to do that? Oh yes, that's what we're talking about. Art full time. Um, so I think that doing art full time um was I think that everybody's an artist. So I think that that's why I wanted to be. If I couldn't be an artist full time, I wanted to at least make a living off of the arts or off of helping others create that like reach that path that they wanted to. And I think that. It was always my goal to have a community of people who were conscious and like-minded who wanted to create the the life that we all deserve. And I think that creation and art and expressing yourself, not just in art, but in any way, like singing, dancing, hula hooping, you know, like... <laughs> Anything and even even with this even with this podcast, Auto Body, I think that I respect the STEM fields so much for how academic they are and how beautiful they they do play with um real like like what we can see. There's either, you know, the do or do not do. And I think that that's what I kinda wanted to do as a teacher. And so I think that now I've been able to make it so I can make art full-time in the sense of doing commissions and things like that. But I miss having students because you're the best, you're the best student when you're a teacher, like hands down, like you learn the most. (laughs) It is interesting the way that there's been like a divergence of like the STEM fields and the arts and the humanities. Um, There was a time in like, you know, science, when scientists were all artists and yes. artists were scientists, you know what I mean? Like, Da Vinci is as well known for his 
architecture, or not his architecture, his engineering and yeah. uh, stuff like that as he is for his art. And, like, even as, um, why am I spacing? Oh, Darwin. Darwin, yeah. all of his, all of his notebooks are filled with, like, beautifully done hand drawings of, you know, all the different species he saw and, um, like, but that seems to be lost. It seems to have gotten lost somewhere. I don't know if it's just because, like, the technological age that people have moved away from doing those things. Um, but it is interesting that those, today, those two things are seen as, like, as if they're at odds when in the rest of human history, they've always been seen as, like, in conjunction to one another. Yeah, and I think that kind of like um, a lot of things in life, the the easier it is to separate it, the easier it is to understand it and to kind of get back to like uh, having like a grounding point. And I think that it's easy to say that they're separate, but when you go through experiences like the accident where it's like mathematically, doctors, police officers, Everybody who is the top of their field, people who were literally heli lifting me in an emergency, being like, "This person is not going to make it," you know, <laughs> like, "Go slow, like, guys. There's no reason to rush." <laughs> exactly. Literally, like my mom got to the hospital before I got to the hospital in Boston, <laughs> and like we, like you know, it was just kind of like, okay, like. <laughs> It's just one of those things where it was just like, yeah, it was very unlikely that I was going to make this type of recovery. But then there's just like, I did. And people, I have my own explanations, and that's why I'm writing my book, and um, I am doing the things I'm doing with my co- my community. But, and like the community of business and art and teaching and all of that, and creating a space for people to just like express themselves and just like be themselves and just like you know be good people and I feel like you know that with this it's like you can't explain how I got to this got to be this way and also got to be not so the opposite way because you see people who get into accidents and then there is another side to it where the recovery is hard and slow and it is it is painful it is it is not easy to feel the hours and hours of agony of just like you have metal bars in your body now like you are bionic like I can feel things differently than other people can like I can feel the the pressure drop and I can feel like when it's getting cold in certain ways like because I have metal bars in my arm so it gets colder than other things and it's like some things you can't explain some things you can't you just have to trust that whoever is experiencing that reality right now is telling everyone else like it's okay, and I think that that's why the, I respect the STEM and the math, like the, the STEM field, so much because it's like two plus two is four. You can't bullshit that. Like <laughs> two plus two is four, and that's where I like that's what kind of drives me crazy is trying to be able to pull those worlds together of being like, how do you explain both sides of this? If you could go back and undo the accident, would you? Uh, no, because I think it taught me who's really there for me emotionally and physically. And 
I don't think that I would change that because I think that I took my body for granted. I think that I, I, you know, like every girl, every young girl is just like feeling so insecure about yourself, hating yourself, being like, oh, I like I can't do the handstand the exact way I want to. You suck, you know. Just be. It's like you can do a handstand. Like, what are you talking about? Like, most people can't even do that, you know. And I like, like not, so. I'm sure I could teach you how to do a handstand. If I can do a handstand, you can do a handstand. I and weigh I 250 like, pounds. I'm not supposed to be upside down. <laughs> what did you say? I said I weigh 250 pounds. I'm not supposed to be upside down. But no, like it's really possible. I promise you. I've, seeing is believing, and I think that that's the hardest part about most people. They can't trust like people to show them the light in that way. Right. Being like, we'll make a video of you trying to teach me how to do a handstand. How's that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody, because it is about to get. <laughs> Tune in next week for my visit to the hospital. Exactly. Nick's adventure and his accident. <laughs> They're gonna be like, he's never gonna walk again. Not because he can't, but he just is saying that he doesn't want to anymore. Vacation. <laughs> well, Alan, where can everybody find you? Um, you guys can find me on um Fallon Ray Art on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, you guys can also find me at um my company, uh my, I have a few companies if you guys need any, like, constructing work, plantingspaces.com, and then I have my community. You can find Consciousness Capital on Instagram and Wait, let's, just, let's talk about your planting spaces. I forgot about that. Right? There's that... <laughs> so many different things going on all the time. <laughs> right? Well, how's that going? Um, It is going – it's going good. Uh, I – have only I've done really minimal work for it physically. I've done um more work on the back end in that way. Um but it's been it's been kind of nice and now my next step is just really stepping forth and um I'm trying to secure um a partnership and really set forth what I want to do for the next uh year or so in hiring additional people. Um, and what, what what is it exactly? It is kind of it is a con, like a, a home improvement business, a business improvement as well. It started out with me um, uh, as a I call myself a planterior designer because I love <laughs> indoor house plants. I know it's become a craze. We were talking about trends earlier, and I, I just I love plants and I love decorating um, like restaurants and creating ambiance in people's homes and teaching them how to take care of plants. That's rad. And you also you also paint murals? Like you painted you do all kinds of crazy stuff, huh? Yeah, I painted a mural for Ben and Jerry's. Uh you also did one for a school that was really cool. It had a moose in it. Yes, yes, yes. That was actually for a um for like a, a school program within the um the I think it was like the forest rangers at the Franklin Falls Dam. Um, so it was an interactive mural for the kids to learn educationally some of the animals and how rivers work and how dams work. How do you find a job like that? Um, connections, conversations. <laughs> so I love when people reach out to me and they're like, hey, uh, 
can you help me on this? And I'm like, yes, I'm your person. Like, and if I can't be your person, I know 10 people that want to be your person. So that's my favorite thing is I just love networking with people. That's awesome. So you just like, you just kind of put out there, you're like, I want to paint murals. And then people are like, hey, I have a mural you can paint. And you're like, sweet, pay me. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, and once you kind of keep making yourself known, like, hey, I'm an artist, I'm an artist, I'm an artist, and it's one thing to say like I'm an artist, and then there's another thing to be like, I do art every single day, I teach art almost every single day, like, and just showing yourself, and then people are like, hey, if like a mural job comes up or like they talk about art, people are like, oh, hey, Fallon, the artsy girl, you know, like <laughs> let me let me see what she's up to, and like that happens so often to being like, hey, are you do you have this time to do this? I, I did kind of, I, I said that kind of flippantly like a joke, but I do want to point out that like there is in business, there's always, especially with like the internet and the way that we network today, the ability to make a living doing something that even 10 years ago would have been impossible to make a living, almost impossible to make a living doing um, is wildly available to everybody yes yes and that's exactly what I try to do with consciousness capital and I'm kind of resurging that um, because it's corona I mostly did in person but now I've done a lot of work on the back end um, and reaching out just being able to help people curate themselves and get themselves out online the way that they want to and also network with people that can help them create their vision of what they want to do every single day and what makes them happy because it's it's really powerful for us to just be happy and it's hard it's really really hard it's hard to make a business out of it too and i think it's it's nice to see people being happy and passive income is such a thing where you can design t-shirts and logos and do so much for your friends and family like so many people want your artwork and you don't even know it yet it's really amazing um like the internet, one of the big things I talk about a lot actually is just the internet and how it's just like it opens doors for people that they don't even realize um, mm-hmm. are going mm-hmm. to be open, you know? Um, like, you know, I use, uh, there's like a million examples out there, but there's a couple of specific examples that I know of. There's, I know of multiple gyms that actually are free. So the membership to the gym is free. Um, and they make all of their money on Instagram, YouTube, face, Facebook, et cetera by using taking pictures inside the gym and then posting them online and then building an audience worldwide and then selling merch. Wow. That's crazy, right? Like that so they completely flip the model around. Like so the wow. gym is free and they make money on the merch. There's also like another example of that would be like you know, we hear about like the T V the T V car shows, but like Gas Monkey Garage. They don't make the majority of their money on the cars that they do, they make the vast majority of their money on the t-shirts and the Walmart deals and the, you know, because they have a huge audience that they can, that they can capitalize on. Wow. Uh, and That's I personally, powerful. I personally know people who, you know, before the internet or not before the internet, internet, but like before we really got to where the internet was wildly available and understood by most people. Um, I'm talking like social media, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing, Um, you know, had a hobby. I literally know my friend's dad 
used to make fly fishing lures just for fun for himself and his friends, you know, mm-hmm. and now that's his full-time job. Wow. Using... And I think that people are not realizing how powerful it is to have like a handmade fly fishing pole. Like that, that helps in your experience in fishing. And I think that people don't understand the difference in a real piece of artwork that you spend maybe somewhere between 20 or $200 on, but it might be custom or has a touch of like a real person versus like the Marshall's art or TJ Maxx or, or something like that, the target art. And not that I mind. I, I love buying those canvases and painting over them. They have a use. <laughs> but, you know, someone's buying them and putting them up. <laughs> I um, I just think, I think people just aren't, they don't understand yet that, like, if you just, if you just love to do something, like you with art or, you know, my friend with his fly, with his fly fishing, like, are you guys as mechanics? Like you, everyone has their specialty, and we all need to work together. Right, but if you just take that and you just start putting that out there, like the it will find the right people. Yeah. Who can then turn around and make, give you the ability to make your living doing that. Yeah. And that's like, so like, I think people get a little bit, especially with marketing and business and that kind of thing. Like people get too caught up in making sure their content is perfect. Um. You know, but you're going to have, you know, you should be posting every single day anyway. You're gonna yeah, have that's kind of my issue. And I, I think that that's why, you know, we should talk afterwards about your marketing company and definitely talking about those things. Just reach, like, the next level of, like, the big stuff worldwide for um, sending out artwork because it's so nice to have a nice community, but it's so fun to, like, have a map of just, like, all the cool places, places that you send your artwork. <laughs> That is cool. Yeah. I've never sent my artwork to anybody, so I wouldn't know, but I trust you. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> Fallon, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Nick. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you can, do me a favor and go and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's where you're listening, I would really appreciate it, and it would help me out a ton. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day.